Where do we even start? A conversation about fashion, starting a career, and being a 20-something. With hosts Alex, Chloe, and Erica. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Happy Monday. And we are here joined by our friend, Isra. Hi, Isra. How are you doing today? Hi. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself? I'm a recent graduate from Kuala Polytechnic University. Um, I graduated with a bachelor's in fashion and technology, and I'm super excited to be here. Um, Yeah, but today I'll be talking about my recent capsule collection that I created in my final year of design, and I'm really excited to share some details with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, and we are so excited. But before we start, we have our This Week's This or That, and we're so excited to hear what Isra thinks about this one, too. So since we're going into the fall season, my question is apple pie or pumpkin pie? Oh, Isra, do you want to go first? Oh, I'm going to say apple pie just because I've had it more. Pumpkin pie hasn't, I don't know. I'm okay with it. It just hasn't entered my heart. <laughs> Not yet. But yeah, I'm going to go with apple pie just because, you know, apples are like, they always just taste so fresh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going with pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie with like a scoop of vanilla ice cream oh that's good that's that's i've never i maybe i have to try it with ice cream then (laughs) like yeah i'm warmed up with ice cream i'm still weirded out by pumpkin pie too for some reason but i feel i haven't tried it since i was a kid so maybe i should try it again but so apple pie so good whoa we're split half and half today i'm a pumpkin pie gal Okay, so I guess I guess the listeners will be the tiebreaker on Instagram oh, this week. Mm-hmm. So make sure you go vote on the Instagram, apple pie or pumpkin pie. Before we kind of dive into the nitty gritty and get into the detailed questions, Isra, do you want to kind of explain to us what your capsule collection was? Yeah, so my capsule collection was designed specifically for, um, you know, we have to we have to make it really, really niche. So in general, I wanted to do modest clothing, but I was just a little bit too broad because modesty can apply to a lot of different people, different lifestyles. Um, so, you know, I kind of just went for it and narrowed it down to what I was most familiar with, which is what I am, which is a Muslim woman. Um, but yeah, my collection is aimed towards contemporary Muslim women. Um, and that usually just means, you know, come from a Muslim family and you're still devoted to your faith, but you have grown up in the West, which is you know, what I closely relate with. I was born in the States and I've lived in Canada basically all my life, yet, you know, my family's very religious and that's always been something that's really close to me. Um, so, you know, growing up here, it's been pretty difficult because you're, I was never really surrounded by that many people that share the same faith as me or the same values in general. So I've always been kind of navigating that, which I think is why I really closely relate with my target market because still kind of figuring things out along the way with, you know, being such a different society than like my hometown, which would be, you know, in Egypt, where you're surrounded by everyone who looks exactly like you, who has exact same thoughts, experiences. Um, 
like designing for specifically a woman who wears the hijab um, because you can be Muslim and, and you'll not wear it. So that's specifically what I'm designing for. Uh, with that being said, there's a lot of little requirements that come along with that, with wearing the hijab. So I can get into them now or I can get into it Yeah, later that would be want. perfect. Actually, that leads right into my next question, yeah. which are kind of what are the guidelines um, for dressing within the Muslim culture? Yeah, so, you know, to try to, my main kind of thing that I was trying to figure out with this collection is how do I, you know, solve the lack of Muslim representation in fashion, um, you know, and enhancing culture and religion, but with also without recognizing or compromising style, function, and expression. So the main thing for me was, okay, you know, the main guidelines are you only show your face, um, your hands, and your feet, essentially. That's like a way to explain it. But also, you can't be wearing anything see-through, anything super tight. That kind of enhances the natural body shape. Um, and then obviously, of course, the hair needs to be covered. That's kind of what usually most people identify the hijab with. But, you know, it's a lot more than that. It's a head to toe thing. And it's along with the way that you carry yourself as a person and modesty and personality as well. So, yeah, just like complete covering of everything except the hands, face, feet, and then generally loose non-see-through garments. I think that's like kind of like the easiest way to explain it. There's a lot like a bunch of little details here and there, but that's kind of the main the main guidelines for that. So, what inspired your collection specifically? You have these beautiful um blue prints and designs. Can you kind of go into what was your inspiration and how did you get inspired to start your collection? Yeah, so other than like, um, you know, the idea of modesty itself, the actual, like how the collection ended up looking, the main thing that most people notice right away is the print that I, that I designed. And that one is um, inspired just by Muslim architecture. So, um, you know, all of my mood boards, I always had photos of mosques and, um, you know, just different architectures in Muslim-majority countries that are always so intricate and detailed. And yeah, they're so ge geometric and floral and just beautiful at the same time. So that's what I was really inspired by. Um, my print is kind of like a, the individual motif is just basically like a, a mathematical looking flower <laughs> is the best way to describe it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, you know, it took a lot of narrowing down, but I started off with that idea of, okay, I want to do something related to the architecture that's that this target market closely resonates with. Um, so I started with that individual flower and kind of just went from there and tried my best to make it as modern and contemporary looking as possible, which is why I ended up only using two colors for that print so that I could just be versatile. That print on your on some of your garments, you created and custom printed for your garments, correct? Yeah, so I'm very lucky, like our program, you know, and you guys even supported me with this as well, like having one semester of just kind of looking into print and the world of print is so big, but it was nice to have a little bit of background in it. And I really, I didn't expect to end up doing it for my final collection just because, you know, some of our instructors, they're just very like, oh, just focus on what you need to do. Like, don't focus, don't get carried away with like small little things. But I was just like, I need something that makes us not just look like a minimal, just minimal modest clothing because that exists. It's out there. 
and I felt like without the print, it just kind of looked like, you know, just a boxy unisex, you know, style that's kind of everywhere now. Like, that's not really hard to find anymore, which is also kind of why, uh, like, I had to really think about what makes this so different than, you know, all the other modest brands or more unisex brands. So, or gender neutral, I should say. But, yeah. And do you feel, because you had mentioned before that you growing up and living in a non-Muslim majority culture has kind of impacted you. Do you feel like bringing in the architecture of um, Muslim majority countries was really important to the overall feeling and do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. So (laughs) for me, it was just, you know, it's reminding that target market of where she comes from everywhere she goes which is why I try to incorporate that print as much as I can without making it super overwhelming um you know even if like in the belt of like the plaza pants I had the belt made out of that print in there and like you know the welt pockets are made out of that so I try to incorporate it as much as I can just to have that little reminder of like this is where you came from like you know (laughs) keep going type of thing that sounds way too dramatic but it's a less I guess it's a more subtle reminder for yourself every day is the way that I kind of thought of it. It's like, you know, grabbing it out of your closet. Your first thought isn't that this is this isn't a religious garment, but I make it that way or I like the person wearing it is what makes it that because honestly, like the all the garments that I made, they could be worn by anyone. Like I've had so many people um, come up to me, like whether it was during designing a spotlight or just my peers they would say, oh my god, I would wear that, or I could see Meghan Markle wearing that. It's just, you know, it's very, without the hijab, it's just, you know, it's just another beautiful, modest piece of clothing, which I'm totally okay with, which is why I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought it would, just because I realized how versatile it truly was, not just to a Muslim woman, but like to anyone who values modest clothing, whatever that might mean to them, because it means a lot of different things to different people. Um, You know, to some people it might just mean not showing you know, the bottom half of your legs or, you know, not showing your arms or it could be showing your arms but not showing your legs. Like it could just mean a lot of things to different people. So I was, you know, pleasantly surprised that what I did doesn't have to just apply to my primary target market, which is, you know, where kind of secondary markets would come in. What did your design process look like? Because you had Comparatively speaking to other people, you had different things to consider while you were designing and you had different things that you needed or different ways that you needed to approach design features. So what did that look like for you? Yeah, it was kind of, it was difficult at first because I had to get myself outside of the mindset of thinking this is just another piece of long loose clothing. Like, so at first it was really hard to start. Um, But once I started prototyping, my clothing, um, a lot of things came up along the way. And I'm so happy that, you know, my instructors were, were able to kind of help me map this out and my peers. Um, because me, even though I'm technically sort of the target market without, you know, all the money, of course, but <laughs> even though I'm technically in a way designing for myself or people I'm familiar with, there were a lot of things that I never really considered. So just because of how used to used to it, I was to not have something like that, if that makes sense. So you know, something as simple, I love to use this example because I feel like it's just the most tangible thing. Something as simple as like a cuff, um, you know, a regular traditional cuff with a placket. 
um, it will show your skin very, very slightly. And for most people, like for me, even like that's not really something that really bothers me, but it has, that's kind of the point of the collection. It has gotten to the point where we've had to sacrifice those like little things just because we can't find them anywhere. So if you can solve for that, then why not? So that it becomes more of like an active thing in your head when you're, when you're buying clothing. So what I ended up doing for that is so simple, yet it's so effective. And I ended up just doing almost a pleat in a, in a cuff and just having, you know, the buttonholes there so that you can put on the the blouse or the shirt or whatever it is and you don't have to worry about your skin showing even if it's like the tiniest bit like you don't have to worry about that anymore so that was like my main like wow moment because I never even thought of that I was okay with just going through with like a regular cuff because you know it's like a millimeter of skin you know whatever but if I really wanted to stick to my word and make this completely within the guidelines of this target market, then, you know, it was worth it. And it wasn't anything even, it wasn't even difficult to do. That was kind of the crazy part. Like it was actually easier than a pocket. So I think it would actually be interesting if something like that could be incorporated in just like regular fast fashion, because not that I support fast fashion, but it's just so, I don't know, you get what I'm trying to say? Like, it's just so easy. Like it's just a small little thing that could like make a lot of people want to buy it more. And with like, Islam being the you know the fastest growing religion in the world and that means that they are the majority of the market it's just crazy to me that so many different brands aren't really considering that um you know we do live in a world where brands are starting to become more inclusive in their marketing but I haven't really seen anything in terms of fashion yet not not to the the definition that I kind of hope to get to with Misa so there is that but then there is also the the twist dress which I didn't think there would be an issue with until I realized that most <laughs> by most twist dresses, I don't want to ramble about this, but when you are draping or you're drafting a twist dress, most of the time um, you want one side of the garment to go through a hole so that it can make that twist effect. So what that means is that it, you end up with a V-neck, essentially. So that was kind of my, at first I was just like, oh, I'll just do that. And then I'll kind of like, put a piece of fabric behind it and then I tested that I actually prototyped it and it looked hideous like it looked so bad I was just like oh my god this looks so cheap so I need to figure out a way to you know make it not look like that essentially so it took a lot of that was definitely the most difficult piece in my collection as I'm sure you guys are, you guys know you saw me very late nights in the lab that was always the thing that I was worried about I had to figure out a way with like different techniques um figure out how to make it a long sleeve dress that's covered without having to have a separate piece that goes underneath the, the twist but I eventually figured it out it was a lot of prototyping it was super stressful but I'm very happy with the results definitely my favorite piece out of the whole collection um but yeah it was just little things like that like when you look at it initially which is you know I'll keep repeating this just because it's just so interesting to me like when you look at the piece you don't really see you know anything super technical behind it but then once people heard me start to talk about it they're like oh this like this is such a beautiful gown almost but there's so many little you know thoughts that you put behind it which I didn't even really realize myself until I really looked at it as a whole piece so that dress specifically has two two of those things other than the fact that the fabric is obviously not see-through and um, it's fully lined and the whoever's wearing it doesn't have to worry about wearing something underneath it or over it or whatever it might be because that's kind of 
I forgot to men mention this earlier, but me growing up here, I've had to layer a lot. Like, when you guys even saw me at school, like, that's all I would really wear. I would, you know, wear, like, a pair of, like, wide leg pants with my culottes, and then I'd wear a t-shirt with, like, a cardigan or a denim jacket over it, which is why I end up usually wearing the same thing, alternating a lot of the time, just because it's just so comfortable and convenient. Whereas, like, anything else, when I first started wearing the hijab when I was younger, um, I would buy just, like, regular blouses that are, like, you know, three-quarter sleeves or v-necks or whatever it may be, and I would just wear, like, a super skin-tight thing underneath it, like, a, I don't know, like a bodycon top almost, and I would just wear that underneath, and then I would just go about my day, and I never really thought anything of it, just because that was the society that I started to wear the hijab, and I was just like, okay, this is normal, until I, you know, I visited Egypt, and I saw that there's so much, so many options there, obviously, why wouldn't there be? That's the majority there, but at the same time, once I started purchasing clothing from there, when I got older, I realized it was no longer my style. So that was another thing that I got into, which was partially the inspiration behind this collection as well, is none of the clothing I've ever gotten from my hometown was ever minimal. It was always just super out there. And when I was younger, I was okay with it. But now I'm like not really okay with wearing like hot pink zebra stripes. Like, <laughs> so that was the main thing. Like, although, you know, it was... A great piece of clothing in terms of what it did for me it was very comfortable and you know and obviously abided by the guidelines and everything but just not my personal taste anymore so you know that's kind of the other thing that made me go through with this is just realizing that layering is not fun wearing sweaters in the summer is not fun um, finding long sleeve clothing that's breathable during the summer is super difficult so a lot of muslim women have to you know just kind of recycle their clothing from colder months and try to make it work into the, the warmer months. And I forgot to mention that as well. That's I'm designing for spring summer mainly because that's the hardest season for Muslim women to buy clothing for, um, just because everything obviously gets shorter, see through, um, you know, just like the majority of the population dresses here, which is fine. But that's definitely the main gap that I saw other than clothing for them in general. It's clothing for that specific season because everyone likes to bundle up during the fall and winter and wear long and baggy things anyway. So that's not really as much of an issue. That's awesome. That's such a great overview of kind of the design process and how you went about things. When you were going through those challenges of trying to find ways around those typical design elements, did you find that you were having pushback from either people around you or professors about like making concessions and just just going with the other thing and like having to explain to them why it's so important? Or were people really understanding and very open to letting you go through your design process? I was surrounded by, I'm very lucky, I had a lot of support from, you know, not only my family, but the people that I was constantly surrounded by at school, like I was at school 24 seven, like every other year, but this year was just even more. And the only thing that was really pushing me back is that I always wanted to do more. And that's kind of, it's kind of a thing as a designer in general that you kind of have to learn how to, you know, be able to just sit back and look at things as a whole and see what's, what's required, what you can kind of sacrifice and go from there. But for me, this was my final collection, and this was something that was so close-knit to me that 
I wanted to make it as good as I could possibly make it. So <laughs> for me, the pushback was mostly from professors telling me that I was either doing too much or maybe I didn't explain my my idea clearly so that they thought I was doing too little or they didn't understand why I was going through so much effort. Like, I think the main thing for me was the print at first um, because, you know, the first semester is just ideation, research, all that fun stuff. Second semester is like actually making it come to life. But first semester is when I designed the print and I initially had a bunch of like colors go in there just because someone told me that I should have them in there and that it should be colorful and that it shouldn't be it shouldn't be boring or monochromatic. And I listened because this is someone I respect. You know, it took a couple of months for me to like kind of get the guts to just go through with my first idea, which was monochromatic, you know, and I had the support around me, especially my friends, because they were in the same boat as I was, you know, trying to navigate through what advice to take, what advice to keep in the back of your mind and just go, you know, go with your gut feeling, whatever that is. That was the main pushback. But other than that, it was everyone was really supportive. And, you know, at our school, everyone wants us to see us wants to see us succeed. So that was always helpful to know that they always had the best interest in mind. It's just sometimes you just got to say, OK, thank you for your feedback and just go with it. And I think that's the main totally. highlight of fourth year, honestly. It's just, you know, hearing people out and understanding people's expertise, but then just doing what you want because you have integrity to yourself as a designer and you have integrity to your brand. So that was my main takeaway, I think. <laughs> totally, yeah. And I think I think all four of us on this call right now can attest to there's times where somebody suggests something to you very strongly and you really um and usually like very last minute before it's due oh my god yeah (laughs) and you really respect them and you're inspired by them and so you feel this urge to have to do it yeah when they might not understand the full realm of what you're trying to achieve people are just brainstorming with you and they might not even really remember giving you a certain thought or idea like all they see is the final result like even our professors and our peers most of what they see is the final result and they don't know all the thought and work that you put into it because everyone's focused on their own stuff like everyone else has a collection to make other than your very close circle of friends like nobody knows how much you work how much work you put into things so at the end of the day, everyone's just going to see the final thing anyways and be like, wow, you did so much. This is so great. You're so awesome. So like, you know, just do what you want. And you're like, don't even get me started on how many iterations we went through before this one. <laughs> yeah, literally. As long as you're making the decisions that are well thought out for who are you're, you're like aiming to serve, then, then it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Totally, yeah. And when you... When you made that decision and you said, no, I'm going to go with my gut and go with what I think is right for my collection and right for my target market, did it give you like a sense of like empowerment or even just like confidence in yourself that you knew what was right for your collection? Yeah, like it definitely gave me a little bit of like, I don't know why I doubted myself. Like I had the right idea from the get go. The thing that I that I did realize, though, is that maybe I should have, 
you know, explained a little bit more. I've always been I'm not defensive. Like I'm very open. I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I'm very open to feedback. But if I feel like I didn't explain myself well, I come off very defensive when I try to kind of back up what I did. So that's always been something I've been trying to improve within myself. It's like, I don't want to come off as defensive or that I'm not open to criticism, but I also want to make sure that the person in front of me understands my thought process. So that was some, that was what I realized is that maybe I didn't, you know, explain it as well as I should have for the person to also agree that what I thought initially was the right way to go or, you know, quote unquote right way. There's no right way for anything. Um, but yeah, like I felt really good about it. And I'm very lucky to be one of the very, like the few people in my graduating class to have had a photo shoot. I think that was the best moment for me out of the whole year is like really, I was obviously running on no sleep, but it was just <laughs> very, <laughs> it was a very real moment just seeing it on people and being photographed and like seeing the print especially I think was just the best moment because I that was the most like stressful part of the about the whole thing in that time like obviously before making it but it was it was just nice to see it all come together and it was very rewarding and I'm very lucky to be one of those people that did get to experience that because unfortunately because of COVID not everyone got to got to do that but yeah yeah and the photography from from the shoot is beautiful it is absolutely stunning it showcases the women and the garments it's beautiful thank you yeah I like I had an amazing team of people like the photographer really knew what I was you know what I was going for but also all of my friends supported me they were all there the day of the shoot and because probably because they knew I wasn't very functioning since I had (laughs) sewn all the garments the night before (laughs) but (laughs) but you know it's just it was a nice like having that that support team behind you for sure that knows what you want and so they're there to make sure that you're yeah it's almost like they're my creative directors like they they knew exactly what I wanted and they knew that I couldn't always you know explain it very well because either I'm very tired or I just don't want to step on anyone's toes so they always kind of stepped in for me in like times of need and just kind of you know like even Ronald, I'm just going to give Ronald a little shout out here. Like he would just kind of be like, no, let's do this pose. This is what you want. Remember? I'm like, okay, you're right. <laughs> and then we just kind of go from there. And, and Julia, like doing the little things and like tucking things in that I didn't even notice or like, you know, hiding those safety pins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So we've been kind of talking about design process, what the guidelines are, Um, that you were trying to follow and the fact that we are not a Muslim majority culture here, what were things that you wish people in general and people around you understood about designing Muslim women's clothing or modest clothing? Yeah, like I just wish, generally I wish people, you know, especially big brands, like I wish if they were truly trying to be inclusive and not just, you know, not to throw anyone under the bus, but not just like slap a hijabi on your marketing campaign. You know, I think that you can get a lot more curious. And even I, there's so much that I learned about what I thought to be the target market that I'm part of that, you know, I would have, you know, there's just so many statistics out there. And um, like, I did not know that 
Muslim consumer spending on apparel was supposed to, you know, reach over $368 billion by 2021. Like, there's just, like, a lot of, yeah, like, there's a lot of statistic out there about this specific group of people that are willing to spend their money for something that, you know, makes them feel included and makes them feel part of part of the whole yeah one of those underserved markets that just is not getting what they want but they're willing to put in the money like they're willing to spend it and you know there was a lot of interesting things because for me I've always had obviously my family and my family friends that I've grown up with who have shared the same experiences as me and I've always thought that it was just kind of normal which is sad like I was like okay this is normal like we just we're not back home obviously there are things we need to you know just kind of figure out for ourselves and you know it's not the way it should be like everyone especially if you're you know a majority within a minority within a majority like you should be able to shouldn't be this difficult for you to find something that you feel included in um now I'm getting um what was the question okay yes so (laughs) the other thing yeah so I wish people generally was just a little bit they just are a little bit more curious um because I've you know I've encountered a lot of interesting people in my life and you know they might not execute it or explain things very well and it might come off very you know what's the word um ignorant (laughs) but I know that behind all that, they really mean well, and they're just, they're curious. So I think what I want is for people to, you know, figure out how to phrase things, but also to do their own research if they actually are that curious, because there's so much you can find on the internet. (laughs) There's so much. And if you know someone who's Muslim, like, just like start a conversation with them just ask them even like oh so like how do you dress now like how do you find things to wear do you order things online do you have to make your own clothing whatever it might be and also not assume that every I think the main thing also is not assume that every Muslim hijabi woman is the exact same um because there's a lot of I kind of the guidelines that I highlighted in my collection were just based off of the religion but from there, like I said, the little things like the placket of with like a millimeter of skin showing, that's not something that personally bothers me. Um, but I know a lot of people, they're, you know, they're a lot more, you know, attached to those little details and, you know, it matters to them. So knowing that not every single person is going to be dressing the same um, and is going to be interpreting what they should be doing or what they want to do the same way as well, with for lack of a better term, I guess. Um, but yeah. Like, and also not every Muslim woman you encounter is going to be hijabi or not every single person wears the hijab the way that I wear it. Um, You know, some people wear just wraps and their neck is showing and some people wear like the niqab or the burqa. So there's just a lot of different little things within the main thing. (laughs) Keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. Um, (laughs) But yeah. I guess I rambled a little bit, but it's just knowing that not everyone is the same. And it goes for any group of people, really. Like, just because someone shares a belief or an ideology or has a certain set of values, it doesn't mean that they're going to be the same as the next person who also claims that they believe the exact same thing. So just keeping that in mind and just being mindful when you're approaching people and asking and being curious. 
That's incredible. Yeah. Having that understanding and being willing to learn and curious about someone else's culture and how to do that in a respectful manner. Mm-hmm. So my last question here. So how was the experience designing a collection that was so personal to who you are and your target market? Yeah, um, this is a good question, mainly because I'm actually not into prints that much, which is interesting. Um, I love prints in my hijabs. I love them in like little details in my clothing, but I don't like all over prints for um, like, you know, the top or the bottom or the dress. Oh, actually, a dress could be an exception, depending. If it's a special occasion, I'm okay with a printed dress, but generally speaking, that was kind of the thing for me is because I'm a pretty minimal person. Like, I don't really wear that much print in my clothing. Um, I love to wear fun scarves, but in my clothing, this, like, that was kind of the hardest thing to kind of wrap my head around is like, oh, I wouldn't wear this, and I'm so-called the target market, so does this mean I'm on the right track? So it was kind of giving myself that reality check every now and then, that like, oh, there are different groups of people within the groups of people, so, like, don't get carried away. Um, Yeah, that was, you know, other than the fact that the little things about the technical details, those were easier to solve because to most people that wouldn't occur to them. For me, it didn't even occur at first, you know, like, again, the cuff and the twist dress being long sleeved and fully covering from the, from the top of the neck, you know, to the bottom of the dress. So that was, you know, definitely made things easier for me. But the actual cohesion of the collection itself at first, it was very hard to wrap my head around just because of it was just a lot of print, and that's not something I'm personally really into. Um, so I just had to constantly remind myself that I'm not the main target market, that you know I can closely relate with the target market, but that doesn't mean I'm designing for myself, which I, th- which I think is kind of something that a lot of my peers had to keep in mind as well, that just because you wouldn't personally wear something, and it's something that we're taught in all of our courses, like just because you don't like it doesn't mean that the person you have researched billions and billions of pages about wouldn't like it. So just reminding yourself of that. But otherwise, obviously, it was definitely helpful to have that personal experience. Yeah, definitely. That's incredible. Well, thank you so much, Isra, for sharing all your experiences and enlightening us on your collection and your culture and religion. It has been so great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I loved being here and it was nice to kind of see you guys, but whoever's listening to this, you can't see anyone, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to shout yourself out? What's your Instagram? Oh, um, sure. Why not? So my personal Instagram is just at isradif. So I-S-R-A-A and then D-I-E-F. And then my, I guess, more related to what we're talking about, um, if you're interested in checking out my actual thesis collection, then my brand is, or my handle is Miza, M-I-Z-A underscore designs. Awesome. And also, we forgot to mention this, but Isra has been making beautiful masks Mm -hmm. during this time, and they're still available for order, correct? They are, yes. Awesome. So, Go ahead and check those out and order in some of Isra's masks. They are absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And this has 
been the episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And we hope to see you next week. Have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week. And we will see you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at where do we even start? And we'll catch you next Monday. Bye. Bye.